What is going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Bob Hoover Fitness Podcast. Today, we have a Q&A episode. I know you guys really like these episodes, so I'm going to try doing more of them. The last one did really, really well. You guys left some amazing questions, and I'm really, really excited to dive into them. So please keep asking away. Keep asking away so that I can keep making these podcast episodes because these are some really good questions. And it's funny because a few of you had the same type of question, and um, which means that it's like, okay, well, if they're thinking this, a few other people are probably thinking this. So without further ado, let's kind of dive in. Um, you know, first and foremost, hopefully you guys all had a happy 4th of July weekend. I finally got my wish about nice weather, so I'm pumped about that. It's crazy, though, that the 4th of July is already gone and past us because I swear, like a week ago, I was complaining about how cold it was and how I hate Ohio weather, and now it's already past 4th of July, and now it's like, holy shit, slow down. Um, but without further ado, um, let us dive into this Q&A. Oh, and in case you didn't see on my Instagram, I haven't really been posting it too much, but since I love you guys and you guys are my loyal podcast followers, um, well, number one, real quick, I'm going to start coming out with more YouTube videos. So if you like to watch video content, make sure you watch the YouTube videos because it's going to be almost like a podcast, but video platform. So I'm going to start coming out with more of those to, to give more value to you guys. I have a bunch of articles on my website that go in-depth on a bunch of topics. So if you ever have any questions, you ever want more in-depth, go through those articles. I went, I put a lot of time and effort into them. They go really in-depth. I'm going to keep making them um, frequently as well as more YouTube videos, more podcasts, trying to get more long-form content out for you guys just to help you out even more. Um, and that's a little update I wanted to give. But also... I am going to be a dad. My my wife is pregnant. We're having a baby. We're very excited. Um, January 10th is the due date for right now. Um, I know that kind of fluctuates, but yeah, we're really, really excited and figured I would let you guys know and, and give you the ins on that. So without further ado, let's actually dive into the Q&A. So first question is going to be from two people. Um... Marty Cupcakes and Amanda Ray 0620. Basically, the first part of it is creatine, benefits and negatives. And then the second thing is, should I take a break after finishing a container of creatine? Um, let's kind of dive into first, like the benefits and negatives of creatine. Now, before we even dive in, because you'll, you'll probably hear creatine is all the hype and there is, it is the most research supplement out there. And it does have a lot of benefits to it. And now they're actually finding that it actually has more benefits to it that aren't necessarily related to performance. There is some um, health benefits. There's some mental benefits, some like cognitive benefits. So they're finding more and more benefits of creatine, which is funny now because I, I was just talking to somebody about it. Oh, one of my buddies from high school, I, I ran into him at the grocery store and we were just kind of talking and we went by the supplements and he was asking me a few things and, you know, I kind of talked to him. I was like, well, you know, um, I don't really like recommend supplements in the aspect of like, hey, you absolutely need this. Like, yeah, there are a few that 
can help, um, but they're not needed. So that's what I want to kind of tell you is like, you don't need creatine. It's not like necessary. If you have the money to spend on it, yeah, I mean, might as well because it can be beneficial um, and why not? But I was talking to him and I remember like two years ago when I would buy a whole big tub of creatine, it was like 10, 15 bucks. That same tub right now is like $40. Now, some of that is due to inflation and the cost of goods just naturally going up. But some of that is also probably due to since the demand for creatine is a lot higher now, they're jacking up the prices. So it used to be really, really affordable and it kind of still is to some extent, but it's the price is getting up there and it's pretty crazy. Because um, I actually remember a few years ago, like I used to think creatine was not good. Um, I don't know specifically the study that I was referring to, but my mom used to like be very protective when it came towards supplements. And I remember her telling me not to ever have creatine. So I used to always tell, I used to always not drink or not take it. And then I used to always tell people that creatine was bad. Um, this is before I was a coach. And um, I didn't know why. It's just from from what I heard. And the people would always ask me, like, oh, where'd you hear that at? And I'm like, oh, just trust me, it's bad. And it's actually funny because I have another question here about aspartame, which we'll dive into. And it kind of ties into that why you should do your own research and not just listen to some schmuck like me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I used to think it was bad. And now it's actually proven to be very uh, beneficial. So, anyways, um, again, so creatine benefits negatives technically you don't need it um the it, it like if we're putting like percentages on it think of like 95 to 99 percent is going to come from your basics your foundations actually strain training eating enough protein eating a healthy diet getting enough sleep exercising throughout the day trying to decrease stress levels like those are going to be the foundation that's what's going to give you 95 to 99 percent of your results but things like creatine can and potentially will help out with that extra one to five percent. So it's not gonna be anything crazy, but it can definitely help out. And like I said, there's been hundreds of studies backing up the benefits of creatine. It's one of the most, if not, I'm pretty sure it's the most studied supplement out there. Um, that shows uh, it has a lot of benefits and it's perfectly safe. So the main benefit with creatine is it actually increases your performance in the gym. So it has been shown to help with strength and power improvements because your body has something called ATP that it essentially, I feel like I'm in biology class in uh high school or not high school, uh, college again, but your body has something called ATP. And essentially just imagine that as like your body's fuel source and it has to replenish it in order to keep producing energy and to order to keep, to allow your body to keep um, exercising, okay? So what creatine can do is it can help replenish this ATP. Um, so help lead to more energy, which can help improve your performance, which can lead to better results, right? So. It's not necessarily like it's going to like help you build more muscle. There's actually been research to show like in terms of like muscle, 
it doesn't necessarily um, lead to more gains uh, in terms of muscle, but it can help with your performance. And indirectly, like if you have more energy to lift heavier, that could potentially lead to a little bit more muscle growth. Because if you have more energy and you're lifting more weight, that more weight could then in turn lead to more strength and muscle growth. So indirectly, it can help, um, especially with strength. But in terms of like muscle growth, there hasn't been like really any research to show. I mean, there has been some studies, but the way they tested it out could have been influenced by the amount of water that a person's body was holding. Because certain ways of testing uh, your body's muscle mass and body's fat mass can be influenced by how much water your body is holding onto. So, for example, when I used to train um, in person, our gym had a, what the fuck is it called? Not a DEXA. Um, um, damn it, I can't think of the name. But it was a bio, um, damn it, well, I'm going to butcher this. Something, bioelectrical impedance um, machine. Um I might be butchering that name, but essentially what it does is it sends like electrical signals throughout your body and it takes the resistance and kind of does a calculation based on that resistance of how much muscle you have, how much fat mass you have, all this kind of stuff. But it can be inaccurate, um, especially if your body is holding on to a lot of water. So with a lot of these ways that they test in these studies, like the amount of muscle growth could have been influenced by the amount of water somebody was holding on to. Um, so as of right now, there isn't a significant difference in terms of muscle mass. So, but again, like indirectly, if you have better performance, you have more energy, you might be able to push harder in your workout, which can lead to more muscle and for sure can definitely lead to more strength. Um, now, one negative, um, there's really two things actually here, but one negative that quote unquote, I'm like here, I'm doing the little quote unquote negative, like with my little fingers. I don't know why the fuck I said little fingers. I do have really skinny fingers. It's probably why I'm always so cold. But anyways, um, there one negative that can happen that people perceive as a negative, but it's not really negative, is the water retention. Because when you do take creatine, you do hold on to more water and people, for whatever reason, like freak out about that. But it's not anything bad. Um, number one, this is kind of where like, this could lead to a little bit more muscle growth um, because there are mechanisms in which when your muscles do have more water in them, there's different processes that can happen that can lead to more muscle growth. So there's different pathways that can essentially be activated and turned on that can lead to more muscle growth. And that's the thing. It's intracellular water when you in, when you have an, an intake of uh, creatine, okay? It's not like you're holding water underneath the skin, which makes you look uh, bloated and puffy, this water actually is gonna make you look more muscle because it's inside the muscle. So it's gonna make you look more muscular. Um, so that's another benefit of that as well. So that's kind of common like misconception is like you might look a little bit more puffy and because you are, you might gain a little bit more weight because you are holding on to a little bit more water. But remember, water weight doesn't equal fat gain. And this type of water weight actually makes you look more defined and more muscular and more toned um and i actually anecdotally right now i don't take creatine i, I actually want to um i just don't right now because of to be honest with you uh just like the price is insane and i'm very lazy and cheap right now which um 
is the reason why I don't take it. But when I have taken creatine in the past, I have been a avid creatine taker. And part of this is because I don't work out as much as I used to. But when I was taking creatine, I did notice an increased performance in the gym. And when I look at the pictures and when I had creatine, I did notice way more definition as well. So take that for what it's worth. That's just like anecdotal. Um, but there's really some good benefits. Now, I don't know like the research on this, so like, don't quote me on this. Um, again, do your own research. Make sure you do your own research before taking it. I have seen number one that, again, I haven't done like really too much research on this, so I'm just kind of pulling out what I've seen on this. Um, so again, take it with a grain of salt, but I just kind of want to like give you some awareness so that when you do your own research, you can look at this kind of stuff. I have number one seen that creatine might potentially in, inflict a little bit more anxiety in some people. Again, just haven't done really any research on it. Just have seen that as some people have said that. Um, and number two, there has been some research that creatine in a small percentage of people can give uh, GI issues. So can can um, lead to some GI discomfort. So just some things to keep in mind. But for the majority of people, it's relatively safe and very, very, very effective. But just something to keep in mind if you do decide to take it. And the, the optimal amount is usually three to five grams daily. But that's going to depend on how big you are. If you're a smaller person, you don't need as much creatine. Your body actually naturally makes creatine. So you do get a certain amount from food per day um, if you eat enough protein and, and red meat. Um, but supplementing it with it does help. And typically, the smaller you are, the more you don't, the more, don't, sorry, the less you need, the bigger you are, the more you're going to need. But it's not a huge difference. Like I said, like three to five grams, maybe six to seven if you're really big um, daily. And it does take about 30 days for your creatine levels to fill up in your muscles and for you to start feeling the effects of it um, because your body has to uh, just keep those levels elevated and essentially fill up its creatine tank. So it does take some time. Uh, so I would give it 30 days. Make sure you take it daily because the thing with creatine is like you need it daily in your supplementation. Um, for it to have an effect. It's not something that stays in your system for a while. So you're going to have to supplement it supplement it every single day um, to feel the effects and get the most benefits out of it. Um, and, and when I'm talking about creatine, we're talking about creatine monohydrate. Okay, there's a bunch of other different forms of creatine. Some are more expensive than others. The most studied one is creatine monohydrate. So remember that, write it down. And... Um, there has been some research to show that eating it with some carbs and protein can help with the uptake of um, the creatine in, in which it might better um, enhance the benefits of it and you might get more, um, I can't think of the word right now, but you might get um, more creatine absorbed. But the most important thing is just implementing it and taking it. That's the number one thing. Um, but... In terms of like when to do it, it's going to be daily. And do you need to take breaks is the second part of this question. Do you need to take breaks from it and cycle it? No, you don't. Um, I would just take it every day, you know, because that's where you're going to get most of the benefits from. 
if you stop taking it for extended period of time, you have to then reintroduce that 30 day period uh, to help get those levels back up. Or you could do like a, what they call like a loading phase, which is essentially where you take like 10 grams a day for the first like week, um, if that's something you wanted to do. But again, that can cause some GI discomfort. Um, I've always just done it the regular way where I just take three to five grams a day and then stay that way. Um, now, one, like if you've been doing it every day for a while, like one to two days off here and there isn't gonna affect anything. Um, and if you wanted to take a break, that's perfectly fine. Um, just remember that if you do take a little bit of a break, you kind of do have to build up those levels again. So there's really no right or wrong way to do it. I would personally just stay on it. And then if I do take a break, just realize, Hey, okay, I'm gonna have to re get these levels up. But, um, that's basically the creatine benefits negatives. And if you should, uh, take a break on it. So hopefully that helped a little bit. So it's a great supplement. I think it's great. Um, again, just like with anything that people come out with, uh, there's a lot of hype around it. So it's not like a miracle supplement but it definitely has some benefits to it all right number two from amy shout out to amy aspartame being cancerous so i again with my mom and god bless her because she's amazing and she cared for me and wanted nothing but the best she uh like growing up we actually I believe that aspartame was like the devil. Um, God, I'm making my mom sound terrible. My mom's amazing. Um, again, she just was a mom and wanted to protect me because she didn't know, right? And you hear, and even to this point, like you hear these things that come out and they're like scare tactics and like you don't know what to believe. Um, so I didn't really drink a lot of things with aspartame or eat a lot of things with them growing up because I thought it was bad. And uh, basically, aspartame is essentially like an artificial sweetener that they put in foods and drinks to it's a non caloric sweetener so that it basically takes out the sugar and replaces it with something sweet that doesn't have calories in it. So you can save up on calories and and all that kind of stuff. So what happened was in this you'll see this. I think there was something that just came out with sucralose a few months ago in terms of like blood pressure or something. Um, there are, number one, a lot of things that are misinterpreted. And a lot of companies and people will manipulate the data to, um, to support their argument. When in reality, when you actually read the study and you actually read what's going on, it's nothing to it's nothing close to what people are saying a lot of it is fear right and people just like the whole you know covid situation um a lot of people submitted uh to that whole situation because out of fear right so a lot of people will when, when there's a lot of fear they'll do whatever they need to do to feel quote-unquote safe um so in terms of the aspartame Essentially, what happened was, I think it was the World Health Organization, the WHO, um, classified aspartame as being a uh, class 2B um, carcinogen. I'm pretty sure that's how they classify it. But it was class 2B. I'm pretty sure it was carcinogen. Um, and what that means is there's different classes. I think there's like class 3, which is not carcinogenic. 
There's class 2B, which is possibly carcinogenic. There's class 2A, which is likely or potentially, um, or sorry, probably carcinogenic. And there's class 1, which is, it is carcinogenic. Um, so this was in class 2B, the aspartame. So again, it's possibly carcinogenic. And the research actually, there's like no really legit research that shows that it does induce cancer. Um, legit research. What happens um, is a lot of these studies aren't really done in the way like our bodies naturally process things. Um, there's a lot of things that can be manipulated to look like they're bad for you. Um, but in reality, when you put it into like your body, your body has natural defense mechanisms to where that wouldn't happen or the dose makes the poison, right? So like anything of too much is bad for you. If you have too much water, it's bad. If you have too much fruit, it's bad. If you have too much protein, it's bad, right? Um, so anything is, is bad for you. So again, this whole thing is hypothetical, okay? Now, um, so you have to be careful. And again, I urge you guys, like do your own research on this stuff because it's very easy to get caught in the trap of exactly what's going on. And, and a lot of this stuff is done intentionally by certain people. So please, I encourage you, even like from me, like do your own research, like even with stuff I say, right? So um, basically, just to put some things in perspective, like another class 2B item is your smartphones, right? And you fucking use those things every single day, right? Like my sister's on that thing 24 seven. Um, and we all are, we're, we're all on our iPhones all day. And that's considered a class to be in the same category as aspartame, but nobody complains about that, right? I mean, we're glued to those things. We have them in our pockets all day. So that's a class to be yet. Nobody talks about that. Um, what a class one would be is number one, like the sun, right? Getting the ultraviolet rays from the sun that has been shown to be a class one in terms of uh, carcinogenic. Um, and, you know, we all go out in the sun. We all don't freak out. Now we don't want too much, but hey, like we still go out in the sun and, and we don't freak out about that. Another one, which is hilarious to me is alcohol. Alcohol is a class one and alcohol is celebrated. It's a part of culture. Like we prop it up and yet nobody freaks out about that, right? So alcohol is actually a class one carcinogenic. So think about that. Like this isn't even a class 2A, which would be um, probably carcinogenic. It's a class 2B, which is possibly carcinogenic. So um, to kind of put those in perspective, that's that's what I wanted to, to mention about that. Now, here's the funny thing that they don't show you is like a lot of these studies um they do it on like rats right so a lot of these things they do on rats and other different methods and the amount of rats or the amount of rat or aspartame that these rats got in some of these in this one some of these studies is like a hundred times or a thousand x i can't i 
sorry, I, I don't know the exact number, but it was a lot more than what we would get, right? To cause cancer. And not to mention, it's a rat. It's not a human body. Yes, there's some similarities, but again, you kind of have to take that into account. You have to take the dose into the account. There's a lot of things and studies that you kind of have to take into account to see like, oh, is this legit? Also, so like if you go on to like the um, World Health Organization or um, you look up like what the safe dose is for uh, aspartame per day, it's about 40 to 50 milligrams uh, per kilogram of, of body weight per day or about 18 to 23, somewhere around there. I did that math myself um, of milligrams per pounds per day. So if you had like a 165 pound person, that would equal about like 17, like 20 cans a day, okay, of like diet soda. So I don't know, I don't personally know, and I'm sure there might be some people out there, but most people aren't drinking 17 to 20 cans a day of diet soda, right? Or I should say drinking more than that, right? So, because that's like the max, and I don't know anybody that's drinking more than 21 cans of diet soda a day. Again, I'm sure there's some people out there, but 99% of people aren't doing that. So one to two drinks a day isn't going to do really anything, okay? Um, now, with that said, you 100%, I don't give a fuck if you don't like water, 100% you want, you, you have to drink water. It's just the facts. Like, if you don't like it, too fucking bad, you have to drink it because it's good for you. Like, you almost have to force yourself to drink it because you have to do things that are good for you that sometimes you don't like. But the more you do it, the more you will like water. It's like your body adapts. It's just a fact. So if you're the type of person like, well, I can't drink it, bullshit, force yourself to do it. Start with one glass a day and slowly build yourself up. Do that first thing in the morning. And I promise you, like you will get better. And that's actually kind of like a problem if you don't like water because it's fucking water. We evolved on water. And for you not to be able to drink water now because your taste buds are so used to having something sweet is a problem. It's just a fact. So be aware of the problem, fix it, and move on, right? So you definitely want to drink mostly water, um, but a diet drink here and there is perfectly fine. And and it's still better than a high-calorie beverage, right? Like having a diet soda is way better than having a regular sugar-filled soda and because the, the um, mortality rates... For people who are obese are way higher than the, than the fucking uh, mortality rates for diet drinks, right? So if, if drinking a diet soda can help you stay lean or lose weight, like that's going to be way more beneficial than drinking a regular soda and actually gaining weight or staying the same weight because of quote unquote some possibility that drinking too much aspartame can potentially be uh, carcinogenic. Like think about how, how stupid that sounds like. If that helps you lose weight, that's going to give you way more health benefits than taking out a fucking diet soda. Um, so stick to mostly water. Like I said, start with one cup a day, slowly progress, and then eventually you'll be drinking mostly water and not as much diet soda. So that's my thing on the aspartame whole fucking shtick because that whole thing was ridiculous. All right, next thing is from let me pull this up is my phone turned off um lay's healthy journey or leia's lay's hopefully i'm pronouncing that right sorry if i'm not um so this one is an interesting one and i honestly don't really know how to answer it um it's 
being accountable but not giving into diet culture. I count calories and I'm working to be consistent. I'll be honest, I still have no fucking clue what the hell diet culture is. Like, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't know what diet culture is. Like, when I think of diet culture, my mind just goes straight to, like, keto and, like, paleo and, like, these diets that you have to follow that are very strict. I don't even know if that's the right... Well, I don't even know if that's, like, the right answer. I don't even know if that's what diet culture is. Um, I guess diet culture could also maybe be, now that I'm thinking about it, like, anti-diet culture, which that's actually probably what it would be called, would be anti-diet culture, where it's, like, oh, like, eat as much as you want, eat whatever you want, you're good, blah, 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 like, all that bullshit. Um, so, you know, being accountable but not giving a diet culture, you know, like, this is kind of where you have to, like, do this yourself and you have to hold yourself accountable to some extent, right? Like, yeah, it, it helps to have other people in your corner for sure, like a coach or a family member or a friend or a partner, but you also have to like at some point hold yourself accountable and keep yourself accountable, right? And you mentioned I count calories and I'm working to be consistent. Well, that's amazing. That's like a perfectly good start and you're on the right path. So just stay on that path, keep track of your consistently Keep counting your calories and finding what works for you. And right there, you are going to get some amazing results. Like you are. And a great way, again, to like hold yourself accountable is like one thing that I saw one person do one time is like every time they reached a milestone, they would buy themselves like a gift. So like they would lose 10 pounds. They would get themselves some workout shoes. They would lose another 10 pounds. They would get themselves uh, a new uh, weight or they would get themselves some new clothes or they would go treat themselves at a restaurant or or get themselves like whatever, right? That's another way to kind of hold yourself accountable and help keep you motivated a little bit. Um, you could also, again, have accountability buddy. That helps a lot so that you guys can keep each other accountable. Having a coach helps. Um, and Another thing is like, again, like having bets with yourself to where it's like, if I don't do this, I have to do this. Um, so like, if I don't get my tasks done for this day, I have to um, give this person X money, or I have to give up this thing or whatever the case may be. It's really limited by your imagination. But I think you're doing a great job right now with what you're doing, counting calories and working on being consistent, because that's all you can do. Um and hopefully that answered the question uh but yeah it's tough it's tough especially the accountability part um but i think just holding yourself to high standards and learning to hold yourself accountable is is gonna take you so far and it's going to literally change your life it's not easy to do um and sometimes having accountability from somebody else helps a lot but just having high standards for yourself and learning to hold yourself accountable is um, what's going to separate you from most people and help you get the best results. All right. We have another, the other question. Um, Nakia underscore 77. What's the best substitute exercise for leg press if I'm working out for my home gym? It's a great question. So first and foremost, let's break it down. Like what is a leg press? So you're sitting down in a machine. There's typically like a vertical leg press and a horizontal leg press. They basically do the same thing. You're sitting down in a seat and you're pressing a platform or a sled up 
and down. So you're mimicking a squat movement, right? Because your knees are bending um, and they're straightening. So flexion, extension, your hips are bending and somewhat straightening. So and there's different ways you can uh, manipulate it where you can put your feet up higher to work more glutes. You can put your feet lower to work more quads. You can spread your feet out to work more um, inner thighs, adductors. Um, so essentially it's a squat motion. So anything squat related is going to uh, help mimic the leg press. Okay. So um, really like a, you could do, if you have a barbell, you could do a barbell back squat. You can do a barbell box squat. You can do a goblet squat. Um, you can do a goblet box squat. You can do a one and a half squat. So anything squat related is going to mimic the uh, leg press, right? Um, and again, you can bias different things. If you wanted to bias glutes, you can do a, a goblet glute bias squat where you're you're focusing more on shifting your hips back and getting more flexion, more bend at the hips. If you want to work more quads, you can focus on getting a little bit deeper and having your knees travel forward. You can place um, place underneath your heels so that you can, your knees can travel farther forward. Um, again, like if you have trouble uh, squatting down to depth, you can do a box squat to help teach you how to get down deep, deeper into a squat. Um, so really any squat is going to mimic a leg press. Um, and again, like this, you could also do like a unilateral movement, right? Because that's still technically like a squat. You could do like split squats, like a um, front foot elevated split squat. You can do a rear foot elevated split squat. You could do a Bulgarian split squat. Cause those are still squats. They're just unilateral. So they're going to work on, um, one, one side at a time. They're going to work on more, um, stability as well, but it's also a great way to strengthen one side and, and, and build some muscle on one side, um, and help with any imbalances. So you can do that where you split it up. Um, you can do lunges, which is more, which are more dynamic to where you're actually moving. So instead of like a normal split squat where you're, you're staying in one uh, split stance where you're just basically going up and down with a lunge, you're actually moving. So you stand with your feet together. Then if you do a reverse lunge, you step back, then drive forward. Or if you do a front lunge, you step forward and then drive backward. So um, really any single squat movement, um, and again, this is going to depend on your program, uh, can really substitute for a leg press. So there's really no right or wrong answer. Um, just if it's a squat movement, that's gonna substitute for a leg press. Uh, okay, last two questions from my man Brad and my favorite, one of my favorite um, people, um, Amy. So it is going to be how to transition from calorie deficit to maintenance. Um, basically the same question. This is a great question, and I think a lot of people struggle with it. Um, so let's kind of dive into real quick, like, um, you know, what maintenance is. So maintenance is essentially eating around the same calories that your body burns. So you're, you're essentially taking a break from either gaining weight or losing weight. And that's where you're going to be most of your life. Most of your life, you're going to be in maintenance. You're going to be staying the same. I've been in maintenance for like this whole year almost. I was in a little bit of a bulk at the beginning. Now I'm at maintenance. And I'll probably stay at maintenance, honestly, as of right now, for the rest of the year. I don't really have any plans to gain or lose weight because that's the goal, right? And it's going to be a range, right? So it's not like one specific number. It's not like I have to... I'm, it's not like I weigh myself every day and it's like I have to still stay at 168. No, it, it's a range, right? My range is usually 163-ish 
to like 172 ish somewhere around there like there's like a little like nine to ten pounds so when i and i'm kind of going off the question here but when i'm in maintenance i focus on a range so when i'm closer to like 173 i'm like all right i have to cut back a little bit and i kind of get down a little bit or if i'm like really like leaning out a little bit i'm like all right i have to eat a little bit so it's more of like a range and that's pretty much what i do all year unless i didn't do it this time but typically if i'm going on like a vacation and i want to cut really low then I'll kind of go below that 163. If I'm on a bulk like I was at the beginning of the year, I'll go above that 173. But typically it's like a range. So that's first and foremost what um, I perceive as maintenance. And um, the way I like to describe it too is like, imagine um, you're kind of like just dry or walking down the street and you know, you just stop at like a crosswalk or you stop at like a bench just to relax. And it's just like, yeah, like, I'm just here, you know, I'm just pausing. And then, um, you know, once, once the signal kind of goes, or once I'm feeling ready and energized again, like I'll go hit another goal and I'll continue to walk. So it's essentially like a break, but you're not just like not doing anything. You could still do a lot of things in maintenance and you should, because that's going to be where you're at most of the time. You're not going to be a deficit for the longest time. You're not going to be in a surplus forever. It's like maintenance is mostly where you're going to be hanging out. That's going to be mostly like your home, a deficit and a surplus is going to be like the restaurants you go to or um you know somebody else's house you go to where it's like sometimes you go there but most of the time you're going to be home so maintenance is like home essentially um now when would be a good time to go into maintenance this is going to kind of depend on uh the person but typically and the reason why i say this is because like typically thinking like speaking like there's no right or wrong answer to this but if you've been dieting for a while and, and you're starting to feel um, a lot of stress, you're starting to feel really, really hungry, food is always on your mind, you have anxiety regarding food, your energies are depleted, you're tired, um, you, you have a lot of cravings, uh, your libido's down, your, your, your sleep is shitty, and literally all you're thinking about is food and food, 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 that is usually a great time to go into maintenance. Um, because again, like you kind of have to just like reset um, your body's uh, your, your body essentially, and again, take a little break, give your body a little bit more food, a little more energy, so that it can re-regulate and essentially like you can then continue on your way, right? So it's almost like you're driving down the road with a car, you stop and get gas so that you can keep driving, okay? Um, so that's one way. Um, another way is typically like if you're on your journey and you actually like plan some maintenance breaks out. Like maybe every four to eight weeks or, you know, let's say four weeks, like you just take a mini break. Like, Hey, like I'm on a deficit for four weeks. I take a week maintenance break. Cool. So like I lose, um, five pounds. I take a break for a week. Awesome. Then I lose another five pounds in four weeks or four pounds in four weeks. I take another break, lose another four pounds, etc. So it really is going to depend on you. There's really no right or wrong answer. And, there's no right or wrong way. It's really what works best for you and your goals and your lifestyle, right? So literally, um, if that is just, if you're the type of person where it's like, no, I just want to like get to my goal, like that's cool. Or if you're the type of person that's like, hey, like I actually don't mind having a few breaks and I'm cool with it being a little bit more slower because it's a little more sustainable. That's cool too. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, and then also like 
kind of going into maintenance when you do hit your goal. Like that could be, whether that's from a surplus or whether that's from um, deficit. I'm assuming here we're talking about deficit if I had to guess. Uh, but if you do reach your body weight and then going into maintenance, like that's the third way where it's like, okay, cool. I reached my destination. Now I'm just going to stay here for a while. Um, because again, that's the goal. So that's typically like the when, um, and, and why you'd go into, uh, maintenance. Um, so there's really two main ways that you can do this. And, um, again, there's no right or wrong way. There used to be, you know, and you're kind of seeing it nowadays too, is a lot of talk about reverse dieting and essentially that is slowly building up your calories back until you get up to maintenance. Right. And there's some merit to it, but it's not like some magical thing that, you know, is going to allow you to build a shit ton of more muscle. Um, but you could, you could definitely reverse diet back up to uh, maintenance where maybe you add in like 50 calories, 200 calories a week, or even lower than that. Um, and just slowly, um, you know, build that up or even like a day, you add 50 calories in a day. There's really no right or wrong way to do it. Um, and the thought is, you know, as you kind of build your calories up a little bit more, um, you're, you're gonna, you know, boost your metabolism as you build your calories up and then you can build muscle, lose a bit more weight, yada, yada, yada. Um, but in reality, you're just still in a deficit because you're, even though you're increasing your calories, like you're still in a deficit, just not as big of a deficit, or maybe you're actually in the same deficit because now your neat levels are going up. There's a lot of things that can go on, but the way I like to do it just to not overcomplicate it is like just go with cold Turkey back up to maintenance. Um, because there's really like no, there's really no, like, unless you're, um, like psychologically, you don't want to see the scale go up or you don't want to see, uh, all that extra food or all the extra water weight or even some extra bloating. Um, a reverse diet can work very well, but for most people just going straight up to maintenance is, are, you know, probably a really good idea. Again, it's really up to you, but especially if you've been dieting for a while, you know, and you're experiencing a lot of these symptoms that I kind of said before, it's probably a good idea just to go straight into maintenance so that you can give your body what it needs so you don't have these symptoms anymore. So the way I like to do this is just increasing your calories like by 200 just to start every week because it's hard to know like your new maintenance because obviously your new ma your maintenance isn't going to be what it was before because you lost a lot of weight, right? So you're not going to be burning as many calories as you were before. So if your estimated maintenance when you were like 200 pounds was like 3,500 calories, now you're 150 pounds or 160 pounds and it's not going to be 3,500 calories anymore. So um you know, you, I'd rather like you undershoot than overshoot. Um, so basically what I like to do is just increase your calories by, uh, 200 each week. And again, you're not gonna be perfect. Maybe you do overshoot. That's okay. Like this is all about trial and error and adjusting because the more you do it, the better you're going to be at it. Uh, and you're just going to kind of know what your maintenance is. Same thing with fat loss. Like you'll know what your calories are or surplus. So the more you do it, the better you're going to be at it. The first time you, you're probably not going to be perfect, but I would increase your calories by 200 keep track of your weekly averages. So like maybe increase your calories by 200, keep track of week one, see if your weight kind of stabilizes, like keep track of that average, um, kind of see how it goes week two. If your weight is um, kind of still like going down, then increase it up another 200 until it stabilizes, until it stays around like the same like one to two pounds, right? Because um, sometimes what can happen is 
Uh, if you increase your calories by a little bit, but you're still in a deficit, you could drop some water weight. Um, again, you can still be losing some body fat. And we want to actually make sure we're in maintenance and not still in a slight deficit. So increase your calories about 200 each week until your weight stabilizes. Um, I like to just look at it. Again, you can use it the day-to-day -day fluctuations, but that can even get a little tricky. So probably like the two weeks and just sit, making sure like it's staying around the same weight for two weeks. And then you can kind of, again, keep adjusting. And if it is, cool, you're at your maintenance. If not, um, increase the calories. Or if you're starting to gain a fuck ton of weight, like decrease the calories. Um, the, the key thing here, though, that I want to point out is, um, number one, this isn't a... Maintenance isn't like a excuse to go into fuck it mode. Okay, a lot of people fuck that up. They think, oh, sweet, I'm done. I can go into fuck it mode. And that's where they lose all their progress. Like, what you're doing now is your foundation. That's your routine. Like, that's like your lifestyle, right? So when you're going into maintenance, you should be eating the same foods that you eat now, just different portion sizes. So instead of maybe eating one serving of rice, maybe you eat like a serving a half. Instead of eating two eggs, maybe you eat three eggs. Instead of eating four ounces of chicken, maybe you eat six. So it's the same foods, just different portion sizes. That's literally it. And that's where a lot of people mess up. They, they think, oh, I'm going to add in all this food. They overshoot. They end up getting a fuck ton of weight back. They get discouraged and then they, they ultimately quit. So no, like what you eat now is essentially what you're going to eat when you're in a surplus, when you're in maintenance, it's just different portion sizes. Now there is more room for enjoyment too, when you're at maintenance, like Yes, maybe you do include some chocolate at night as like your extra calories. Like you eat the same foods, but maybe instead of eating different portions, maybe you're like, all right, cool, I'm going to eat this cookie at night. That's made my extra 200 calories today. Or, hey, usually I don't drink on the weekends. Maybe I'll have like a drink on Saturday. That's going to help towards my extra calories. So that's a different way that you can do it um, as well. But the majority of your diet is going to stay the same and you're not going into fucking mode. The second thing is uh, consistency and not counting, um, especially the few first times you go into maintenance. Um, you know, this is actually a mistake I've made personally in the past where I used to be really meticulous going into a deficit. And then once I would go back up to maintenance, even though at the time I didn't really know it, it was maintenance, but I used to go back up to maintenance and I would just pretty much not track, um, at the beginning, I would go into fucking mode. Like, that's what I did first. And then I was like, well, this totally doesn't fucking work. I just gained a fuck ton of weight back. So then I tried to keep things the same, but then I wasn't tracking, so I wasn't being accurate. And I would still gain too much weight back because I was eating too much. Um, and then I didn't know what my maintenance was because I wasn't tracking. And then I would get discouraged um, because I was gaining too much weight and I didn't know, like, if I, what I was doing wrong. So make sure like you're still tracking your calories when you go up to maintenance. Number one, just so like, you know, you're being accurate and you know, the weight gain isn't fat gain um, because you can actually see like, all right, no, like I'm only eating 200 calories more. So I know this weight gain is normal, which I'll dive into here in a second. Um, so make sure you track your calories and then also so you actually know what your maintenance is for future reference. Uh, but then also like the consistency, like you have to still be consistent when you're going into maintenance. If you're not consistent, you're not going to know what your maintenance is, right? So if you, if you try to increase your calories by 200, but you're not consistent, you don't stick with it and you get discouraged because the weight's spiking up and you give up or, or you do go into fuck it mode. Like you're never going to know what your maintenance is and you're going to totally like fail the plan. 
So you have to still stay consistent. That's important. And it's very hard. It's not easy, right? This is one of the hardest things is going up to maintenance um, because it, you're so used to that weight scale trending down. And when it goes up or when it stays the same, like it can be discouraging, but you have to fight through it. You have to trust the process because it is going to be discouraging a little bit at the beginning, or it could be, I should say. And you just have to stick with it and trust the process and um, make sure you're counting, make sure you're staying consistent so that you can get the best results possible. That's where a lot of people mess up. Um, so the last part I'll say is like when you do go into maintenance, you are 100% going to have an increase in weight because you're going to have an increase in glycogen in your muscles because you're going to be eating more carbs, more food, right? So your, your body, your muscles are going to be holding on to more glycogen because with carbs come water, um, or excuse me, with glycogen comes water. Um, and then also you're gonna have more food in your belly because you're eating more calories. So of course you're going to be weighing more. So remember weight gain does not equal fat gain. So expect a normal spike in that weight. And then remember, you just want that spike to kind of stabilize over time. All right. But it's normal. It actually, it actually wouldn't be normal if you didn't gain any weight. Okay. So, um, but with that, you're going to have better energy. Uh, you're going to be a much more awesome person to be around. Uh, your sleep should be better. Your stress should be down. Um, you're going to be able to have a little bit more food. Uh, your, your performance in the gym is going to go up. And actually, this is where I like maintenance. Um, I, I'm a big performance goal guy anyways. Um, you know, my clients programs like every month, like there's like a section to where like we can, uh, you know, we can work together. They can choose like their own like monthly goals to work on um, and hit. But this is especially like in maintenance where I like to work on like a performance-based goal. Maybe you have like a deadlift number you want to hit, or maybe you have like a squat number you want to hit, or maybe you have like a uh, um, chin-up goal or something because it can be tedious a little bit being in maintenance because you're not getting that dopamine hit of seeing the scale go down or the scale go up and, and building muscle. You're kind of like just recomping a little bit, which is a very tedious process that requires a lot of patience and takes a lot of time. So... With maintenance, this is kind of where like I would recommend having a um, a uh, performance-based goal again, just to like have something to work towards. Because in conjunction with being in maintenance, like you're still going to be making progress. There's always a way that you can have a win and make progress week to week. It doesn't always have to be weight. It doesn't always have to be muscle. It can be performance-based. It can be habit-based. Um, so it just keeps, it allows you to keep stacking up those wins each week. And a win can literally just be, Hey, I went up five pounds on a squat this week. Like even if you just went up five pounds on just one exercise and it was a squat in your maintenance phase, this really applies to any phase, but in your maintenance phase, like that's a win, right? And, and it allows you to have another goal to kind of work towards and be motivating. And then on the back end, as a byproduct of focusing on a performance-based goal, you're going to continue to build strength and muscle as well. So, um, that's how I would transition to maintenance, um, and that's basically it. So that's the Q&A. Thank you to everybody who asked a question. You are the best. Let me know if you like these because I'll definitely do more of these. I really, really like them a lot, um, and yeah, hopefully this helped. If it did, um, again, please leave a five-star rating review. It helps a ton. Uh, any questions, please don't hesitate to ask. My email is going to be in the description. Um and then if you want to, again, work with me one-on-one -on -one coaching online to get strong and fit, my strong and fit coaching program, you can apply to the link in the bio. We'll hop on a free call again, just to see if we're a good fit, see if I can help you out and uh, go on from there. So thank you for listening. 
Hope this helped. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.